Tonight, take your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. All right, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. Father, thank you for mothers and for all that they mean to us. What a great privilege it is to know many that are here today. And Father, the sacrifice and the, uh, just the things that they have given in order to bring life. Father, we're just so grateful for the opportunity to know them. And I pray you bless them richly today. Help them to know that they are loved. But Father, as we take a look at this passage today, I pray that you would change our lives. I pray that you would mold us and shape us into your image and that we'd become more like you. Father, if there's one person here today that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be that day that they would know Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for their sins, for my sins. Father, may we be ever grateful for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is Mother's Day, so let's talk about children for a few minutes, shall we? One of the greatest joys in, in my life and hopefully in your lives is being able to teach our children. Um, maybe you don't enjoy that. I do. And it's fun for me uh, to have my children take what I have taught them and what they have learned and put it into practice. It's really fun to watch that. Now, I have the privilege of teaching my son basketball, and I don't claim to be an expert in basketball by any stretch of the imagination, but I did play a little bit, and so I know a few things. I can still beat my son in basketball, okay? He's 10, so almost 10. So I'm, it's okay, right? So it's exciting that when I am able to teach Caleb something in basketball, and we're practicing it, and he's working hard at it, and it's, he takes that and then implements that into a game, and it works out for him, I get really, really excited about that. In fact, I am probably the loudest person, that's uh, hard for some of you to believe, but I'm probably the loudest person at the games, and I get really excited when that happens. Moms, maybe you've given your daughter advice about something or someone at school, and your daughter takes that advice, and she uses that, and she implements it, and it all works out for the better. Does that make you feel good? Does that make you feel like, ah, I'm parenting well. I'm, I'm successful, so to speak. But have you, ever, have you ever had your kids think that they know something more than you know? Anybody? My kids are not old. My oldest is 11. My youngest is 6 right now. And still to this day, my six-year-old will say, no, Dad, that's not what that means. Like, yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. Have your kids ever been unteachable? Unteachable. Have your kids ever said no to your instruction? Now, I know your kids would never do that. My kids definitely have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, how does that make you feel? When your kids say no, or I'm not going to be instructed, or I, I don't care what you say, I'm going to go off and do my own thing anyway. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel really pleased with them? Oh, I just love you so much. It's ex often extremely frustrating when they, 
when you give them instruction and they say no, or I'm going to do my own thing, when our children dismiss what we're trying to teach them. Multiple times out in our, our, on the street, really, playing basketball, I say to Caleb, do this. I can't, I can't, I can't. Do this. I won't. I can't do that. I can't do that. I won't. I won't. I won't. Always. Constantly. Let me ask you this question this morning. What is our goal as parents? What is our goal as parents for our children? If you don't have a goal, maybe this would be a good goal for you. Listen to this. Our goal should be to mold them into godly adults. Just think about that just for a second. Our goal should be to mold them into godly adults. Some parents, I, I, I believe, try to keep their children small as long as possible. Okay? And while I understand that thought process, the reality is what happens sometimes is we cripple our children. But the reality is this ought to be our goal. We ought to be raising our children to become godly adults because that's what they're going to be someday. They're going to be adults someday whether we like it or not. So let's raise them to be godly adults. Let's raise them for what's needed to survive the next generation. Right? If, if we don't do our job as parents, the next generation is lost forever. So we are trying to teach them to be the next generation of adults. We want them to make the transition from being taught to being the teacher. Does that make sense? Everybody with me so far? We want them to make a transition from being taught to becoming the teacher. It, it's fun to look back on my life now and, and think about my son this morning was acting absolutely crazy. And all I could think about was, ah, stink. That's what I did to my mother. Sunday morning, everybody's trying to get out the door and I'm acting crazy. But now I'm, in, now I'm being taught, my mom was instructing me, you can't do that. And now I'm saying to my son, hey, settle down. And it's fun to see the, the transition from being taught to being the teacher. You realize this is life, right? This is how life progresses. This is how life works. Truth is passed down from generation to generation. But likewise, this is not only life, this is the spiritual life. So, if you will, spiritual truth must be passed down from generation to generation. It must. We've been looking at the book of Acts. We've been spending a great deal of time on the disciples, looking at their lives, thinking about them, working through them. The disciples are the men that followed Jesus. They spent three and a half years of their lives following him everywhere he went, listening to his teaching, hearing what he had to say. In a way, the disciples were the first generation of Christians after Jesus. The first generation of Christians after Jesus, but we have seen them grow, and hopefully you've seen them, in miraculous ways. They have grown. So let's look at Matthew, excuse me, Acts chapter 9. Let me say that again. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. The Bible says this, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and the savior 
for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now just to give a little bit of context here. The apostles have been teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. And once again, the uh, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, they don't like this. And so what do they do? They arrest them. And when they arrest them, the uh, miraculous thing happens. An angel of the Lord releases them from prison and they go out and they continue to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they're re-arrested and brought back in and said, you guys are not allowed to teach and preach in the name of Jesus. And here we see them retort with, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now this is an awesome passage of scripture. It is a powerful passage of scripture, but have you ever asked yourself, how in the world did they get to this point? How in the world did they get to a point where they are now saying, we ought to obey God rather than men? It's as if they're saying, we are the children of Jesus Christ, and we care more about him and his instruction than anyone else's. If I were to tell my children at school, hey, I want you to not do this. And all their friends get around and say, hey, come on, let's do this, let's do this. And they say, my parents said I couldn't. And they end up not doing it. That's a plus. So what they have just done is they have said, I care more about my parents than I do about my friends. That is an awesome spot to be. But the disciples, hear me, they weren't always like this. They weren't always like Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. The disciples weren't always so effective full of the Holy Spirit power, preaching and seeing thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. You see, there was a time when they couldn't heal a boy and cast out a demon. There was a time when they could not heal a boy and cast out his demon. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19, the Bible says this, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? So they tried to cast out a demon out of a boy, but they couldn't do it. Why couldn't we do this? There was a time when the disciples, they ran from persecution. And they left Jesus standing there all alone. Matthew 26 and verse 56. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. There was a time when the disciples were not powerful witnesses of Jesus Christ, but were scared timid men hiding in an upper room. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at even, evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, watch this, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace unto you. So there was a time when they were scared. There was a time when they couldn't. There was a time when they fled from persecution and even Jesus himself had to convince them that someday you will be witnesses of me. They weren't then, but they would be. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. We've hit this multiple times over the last several weeks. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. 
ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, he had to tell them, hey, you are going to be witnesses. You're not yet, but you will be. Now, when you look at the disciples in this light, do you look at them and just go, wow, those guys were awesome? We don't. We think, what a bunch of losers. You couldn't cast out a demon. You've done it before, but you couldn't this time. You're not, you ran away when Jesus needed you the most. You were fearful. You were hiding in an upper room. We don't see the powerful, effective, awesomeness of the apostles that we see in the book of Acts, do we? We don't see these spiritual giants anymore. In fact, they seem weak. They seem cowardly. Kind of like me sometimes. Perhaps maybe like you sometimes. Kind of like a little child who has no idea what they're doing. Fumbling around, tripping, falling over themselves, just learning how to walk. They don't know what they're doing yet. But the disciples here in the book of Acts, guess what they did? They made a transition. The disciples made a transition from not being able to heal and cast out to being able to heal a lame man at the gate beautiful. You're in Acts chapter 5. Just flip a few pages over to Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. They made a transition from not being able to heal a, a little boy who had a demon, but now being able to heal a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. Verse 6 of chapter 3, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Oh, man. And we look at that and we go, wow, that's amazing. The disciples made a transition from running from persecution to rejoicing in persecution. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Look with me all the way down to the end of the chapter, verse 41. So this whole council ends. Watch this. They had been beaten. You can see that. In uh, verse 40, the Bible says this, And they departed from the presence of the council, watch this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Complete 180. They were hiding, they were running away, and now they're Rejoicing, the disciples had made a transition from running from persecution to rejoicing in persecution. They also made a transition from being told that they would someday be bear witness of Jesus Christ to now claiming that they were those witnesses. Verse 32 of Acts chapter 5. And we are his witnesses of these things. Before it was God telling them, Jesus telling them, hey, you're going to be witnesses. And now they're saying, hey, we are the witnesses. They've made a transition. Let me ask you this question. What was the connection that caused this transition? What was the connection that caused this transition? What was the connection that progressed them from being, quote, little children to firm, foreboding men? What caused it? The answer, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. 
obedience to the Holy Spirit. Obedience to the Holy Spirit. The disciples start off this conversation after they've been ridiculed and basically yelled at as to why they were preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ. In verse 29, look at this again. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, watch, we ought to obey God rather than men. We must obey God. We need to. It is necessary. We ought to obey God rather than men. And they finish the conversation with Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And we are as witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that what? Obey him. Obey him. Last week we spent a great deal of time specifically looking at one way that we can listen to the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit of God is God in us. He walks with us. He talks with us. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning, you have the God, the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's directing you. He's tugging on your heart. Last week we talked about just a hypothetical situation which you're driving down the road and you see a man on the side and the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart and says, stop. Stop and talk to that guy. And we think, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. And the Holy Spirit just says, listen, if you'll stop, I will help you. He's not going to force you to stop. He's not going to put your foot on the brake. You have to submit to the Holy Spirit of God. And tonight, excuse me, this morning, I really want to focus again on this, that they must obey the Holy Spirit. So this is certainly a furtherance of the thought of last week, but I want to stress the importance of this. If we miss this point, it's going to be very difficult for us to get through the rest of the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is all about obedience to the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to sit there and we're going to look at it and we're going to go, how in the world can they do that? That's impossible and you're correct. In your own strength, it is absolutely impossible. It is only through the Spirit of God. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. We cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if we are saying no to Him. This is from a commentator by the name of R. Kent Hughes. Look at it again. We cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if we are saying no to him. Write it down because it's true. And we look at the book of Acts and we go, wow, they went from not being able to heal somebody to healing somebody. Wow, they went from running from persecution to rejoicing in persecution. Wow, they went from being told they're going to be witnesses, to claiming that they are witnesses of Jesus Christ and being beaten, and, and eventually we find out that these men are killed because of the witness of Jesus Christ. We cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if we are saying no to Him. So let's think about this. How does this play itself out in our everyday lives? You know when that anger arises in you because your children have, has done something that has upset you? Don't look at me like you've never had that happen, okay? 
And the Holy Spirit says to you and tugs on your heart and says, don't act on that that way. Don't you come unglued on that little kid. And we say, no. I'm going to handle it the way I want to handle it. And we yell and we scream. That's saying no to the Holy Spirit of God. When we are tempted to look at pornography and the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't click on that. And we say, no, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to look at what I want. When we are upset with another person and the Holy Spirit says, hey, go talk to them in humility. And we say, no, I'm going to hold on to my bitterness. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want them to pay for what they did to me. When the guy that is on the side of the street and the Holy Spirit says stop and talk to him and we say no, that would be too awkward and the list goes on and on and on. We cannot, hear me, we cannot, don't miss it, we cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if we are saying no to him. Parents, just like it takes faith for your child to believe what you're telling them is true and helpful, just like that, and we expect that, don't we? We expect that. We expect our children, when we say, don't touch the stove, it's hot, we expect them to listen. Why? Because we know that it is true. We know that it is right. And we know that if they touch it, they are going to get burned. Likewise, the Holy Spirit of God is saying, listen, I want you to understand. I want to lead you. I want to guide you into all truth. I want to show you the right way. I want to teach you the right way. I want to help you raise your children. I want to help you speak to your neighbor. I want to help you lead that coworker to Christ. I want to help you live the best, the most joyful, the most amazing life ever. But we keep saying no. 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 And folks, don't get me wrong. It happens in the smallest of ways. Most of us think that if we were in the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, go talk to that guy and heal him. We'd be like, yeah, let's go, baby, let's do this thing. But here's the reality. We cannot obey God in the small things. Hey, don't click on that. Hey, don't, don't, don't think that way. Hey, don't listen to that. Hey, you should go talk to that person. Hey, you should make this right. Hey, you should get right about this, and you should do this and that and the other thing. And we keep saying no, no, no. We must trust him. The reality is most of us do not trust God. We don't believe he knows what's best for us. We don't believe he can give us that fullness of joy. And so if we're anything like our children, we'll say something like this. Do I have to? 
Do I have to? Here's the reality. No, you don't have to. No, you don't have to. But realize this. Every time we say no to God, there are consequences. There are consequences. Oh, what are you trying to do? Scare us, Pastor Yeomans? No. Hear me out. It's not usually the consequences that we think of. It's not a car accident, usually. It's not cancer, usually. It's not a slap upside the head. It's not that. I want you to read a verse with me. John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says this. If ye keep my commandments, watch this. Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Watch this. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? That your joy might be, that, you, that my joy, excuse me, might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I think sometimes we go through life and we just think, this is not what I anticipated it to be. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I wanted. I'm just not feeling the joy that I think I should be, that, that God promises me that I should be receiving. I, I'm just going through the motions. I just can't seem to get anywhere. I can't seem to make it to that next step in my Christian walk. I just can't see. I just keep living defeated over, and I keep failing over, and I just can't seem to get past this thing. Can I challenge you with this? Perhaps it's because you've been saying no. Perhaps it's because you've been saying no about the little things. Perhaps it's because you've been saying no about the minor details of life. If you want to experience the joy of Jesus Christ, if you want to experience joy to the fullest, write this down, trust and obey. Trust and obey. It's an old song. In fact, many of you probably know it. Here's the first verse. When we walk with the Lord, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So now I'm not talking about 10 years from now. I'm talking about the little things each and every day. That email that you get that is just ripping you up one side and down the other and you hit reply and your fingers are tense and you're starting to type on that keyboard or using your thumbs just to let someone have it and the Holy Spirit of God says, don't you do that. And he brings to mind 
a verse. And you think, and you type it anyway and you send it. Does that make you joyful? Or does that create bitterness? That moment when you know that you're not supposed to be looking at that particular thing and you think, man, I need to stop this. And the Holy Spirit of God says, hey, put no evil thing before your eyes. We just go, ah, but I want to. When we see that neighbor going through a difficult time and they think, and we think, ha, they deserve that. The Holy Spirit of God says, hey, I died for them. And we just go, ah, but I don't want to talk to them. The Holy Spirit of God says, hey, you know that person who wronged you? Yeah, I know it's hard, but I've already forgiven them for that. Would you please forgive them? And you just think, no, I can't. You're right, you can't. But through the Holy Spirit of God, you can. It's his power. Let me encourage you today. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't think about what he might ask you to do 10 years down the road. But what if he asks me to? What if he says that I got to? No. Don't think that way. Because you have no idea. Just start small. Trust and obey. One day at a time. Do what he's calling you to do today. Listen for that still small voice. Be sensitive to that tug, that pull on your heart. Trust and obey. I have no doubt in a group this size that there is someone here today that is saying no to something right now. Whether it's a staunch no or just, I'm not sure. Can I encourage you today? Trust and obey. You were made for more. You were made for more than just defeated Christianity. You were made for more than running from persecution. You were made for more than just being told you should be witnesses. Listen, you were made to rejoice in suffering. You were made to be a witness of Jesus Christ. You were made for more. You were made to fulfill your purpose. Just like a child is made to become an adult. And when we see an adult that acts like a child, we go, oh boy. I'm sure God is looking at groups of Christians going, oh boy. You can grow. You can take the next step in your life. But you must trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, I pray that as we look inwardly into our own lives right now, that your will would be done. That every single person would respond, not to my urging. Father, help this to not be about me, but it's your urging. Holy Spirit of God touching their lives, tugging on their heart. 
pricking their heart saying, hey, I want you to do this. Father, may your will be accomplished. Father, maybe there's one person here today that the Holy Spirit's tugging on their heart for salvation. They need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Right? Today would be that day. Maybe there's one that needs to take the next step. Maybe somebody needs to be baptized and the Holy Spirit's just tugging on their heart. May that be today. May it's, it may be one of the things that were mentioned today in the message. Father, would you help them to make a decision to, to stay away from that or to take that next step? Father, your will be accomplished here today and we'll give you the honor and glory for it. Father, we pray all these things in your name.